The following program was recorded on July 8, 2009. ReachMD XM160 now presents Second Opinion Live with hosts Drs. Larry Kaskill and Michael Greenberg. Hey, and welcome to Second Opinion Live on ReachMD Radio XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz, filling in for Larry this week. And I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and this program is different from the others on ReachMD. There's two hosts, and we're actually alive in the studio. Pinch me if you don't believe it. I just might, Michael. And here on Second Opinion Live, we're here to give you, the medical professionals out there, a chance to be heard to share your thoughts on key topics in the world of medicine. And today we're going to take a look at professional medical associations, the AMA and others out there. Are they doing enough to represent the interests of their members like me and you? And Michael, it's an, inch, it's an issue that's been bubbling up for years, but as healthcare groups jockey for position in the health reform debate, many of our colleagues are again questioning whether their best interests are served by their professional organizations. And our guest today is Dr. Raoul Parikh. He recently published an article looking at the AMA in particular. He'll share his perspective and we'll take your calls as time allows. The number is 888-MD1-REACH. That's 888-631-7322. We'll also look at the ethical debate behind the medical care received by high-profile individuals from Steve Jobs at Apple to Michael Jackson. Does profile enable some to receive care that others simply don't have access to? And is that for better or worse in their case? We'll stop by the ReachMD forum to spend some time with this issue. Our number again, 888-MD-1-REACH. That's right. Give us a call. We do try to bring a little levity to the show, Matt. So this week we'll start off with ReachMD's That's News to Me, reviewing curious news headlines from the world of medicine. Michael, this topic is so interesting, I don't even know how to put it to words, but I'm going to try. What we're talking about here are laser systems that will shoot down mosquitoes and help prevent the spread of malaria. And I should repeat that, smart lasers that target and shoot down mosquitoes. Right, this is kind of like, the, the, this came out of the computer folks, the ones who brought us crashes besides computers, but the same way that we got pacemakers out of the space race. It's unbelievable. Tell it sounds, us about the system. Well, you know, the system is, is incredible. I mean, it sounds like something, if you were to hear about this, right out of the Cold War era. Uh, Economist Magazine reports a laser system that it gets hooked up to cameras in a central CPU. You put the posts about 100 meters apart. The cameras detect movement. They determine whether it's a mosquito, and if it is, they shoot the sucker down. Well, specifically, they can pick out Anopheles mosquitoes. They can get the, from, the, from the, the number of times there are wings flapped during there or whatever it is. And it's, it's uh, you know, I thought this was a silly story, Matt, when we started this out, but it's, it's a serious one. And think of this, for $100, you could save a family from malaria. I don't know what chloroquine or adabrin costs, but I'd sure rather give people lasers than give them drugs sometimes and have them have them at risk of malaria. Yeah, they say the cost would be something around uh, or close to setting up a village with uh, mosquito nets, which obviously we don't know the cost in general, but it can't be that much. Well, look, this is only one system. There's also a light curtain that prevents mosquitoes. All I know is I want this in my backyard. At least my wife wants this in the backyard because she gets bitten up like crazy. And it just shows you that out of thinking on the, the opposite of people thinking, you know, computer people, that, that we get really good medical advancements from the wildest places. It's unbelievable stuff. Uh, and, of course, when I say the Cold War era reminiscence, this, these are the same guys that were building anti-missile defenses, so pretty cool stuff. Well, in a moment, we'll get to discussing the role of professional med- medical organizations like the AMA, 888-MD1-REACH, 888-631-7322. That's the number on ReachMD Radio XM 160. And on to the ReachMD forum, Matt. 
We're going to look at an issue that's come up in a few different contexts in recent weeks. Celebrities receiving preferred medical treatment from Steve Jobs' liver transplant to Michael Jackson's alleged traveling pharmacy. Give us, you know, for those of people who have been in the ER and haven't gotten out for the last year, give us the story about Steve Jobs. Yeah, for uh, those two or three of us that don't know who Steve Jobs is, CEO of Apple, uh, the entire situation with him that's been reported, it's shrouded in secrecy. But from what we do know, he's uh, got a rare form of pancreatic cancer, possibly a neuroendocrine tumor. They think it's metastasized to the liver, which has necessitated a, a transplant. Uh, so he's currently living in Tennessee, and that's something that we're going to come back to later. Uh, Tennessee's wait time is known to be about 48 days. Uh, compare that to the national average uh, for a transplant weight, weight, which is about 306. Well, look, maybe he's just smart. Maybe he just found a shorter line to wait. And he, what he, did, he didn't do anything illegal, but there's questions about, you know, do people get preferred treatment? Like, what about the president of the United States? Does he get a liver transplant and you don't? Well, to be honest with you, I thought that uh, any incoming president received multiple transplants just to have redundancy, uh, multiple organs. I think it was like three hearts and four lungs, but correct me if I'm wrong. Well, you're wrong because the last couple of presidents have had no heart. But um, getting on to that, (laughs) we have an ethical issue here. You know, if you have the money and you have the brains, do you step ahead of somebody else? Who's more important? And, you know, there's the other side of that issue uh, in that. Let's talk about Michael Jackson for a second. Unfortunately, poor late Michael Jackson. But um, he had a house full of Diprovan, Oxycontin, and Demerol, and he paid physicians to give him the stuff that he probably shouldn't have had. So the, the other side of the coin is, sure, I've stepped ahead of line in my own hospital because I'm on the staff to get a favor and get a test done sooner. We all do those kind of things. Is that right? I don't know. Somebody else waited. But the other side of the coin is, how much are we for sale as physicians? Somebody had to give Michael Jackson that stuff, and somebody got paid big time for it. That's a very good question. I mean, what is everybody's uh, price point? And, of course, when we're talking about Diprovan, uh, we know it to be like killing an ant with a shotgun when, it's talk- when we're talking about trying to get some sleep. So uh, I think it's a, it's a very big issue. Um, he was a walk-in pharmacy, and, and we all know this that. this issue is going to go on forever because professional courtesy. I do the same thing in my office. If a colleague needs a favor, I leave an exam room open for him, and he gets to go in right away. So we're going to talk more about this in the future. Believe me, we're not done with this. Definitely a lot to talk about. All right. President Obama recently gave a speech at the annual meeting for the American Medical Association in Chicago. The speech thrust the AMA squarely into the national spotlight as an organization that represents physicians around the country. And this speech drew a lot of attention to the issue of health care reform. But it's also renewed the conversation in some circles of the medical community where doctors are wondering if the AMA really represents their interests as practicing physicians. Now, one of those physicians is Dr. Rahul Parikh. He's a pediatrician uh, based in California, and his article, which was published uh, in the American uh, Healthcare blog, uh, is titled, How Relevant is the American Medical Association? Uh, And he joins us now to talk to us on Second Opinion Live. Welcome, Dr. Parikh. Are you there? Uh, we may have just we have just lost him, and we will get him back. So let's continue talking about this. How how relevant is it? You know, what I want to ask Dr. Parikh when he gets back on the line is that uh, I'm a member of the AMA still, mm-hmm. and every year I keep questioning: Do I send my dues in this year? I don't know. Um, are you are you a member? I'm not a member currently, although I was tempted back in the days of medical school to get that free book in the Atlas and have lower uh, uh, subscription fees. Dr. Parikh? Hi, how are, are you, you with us? Okay, well, listen, that first question was, I'm a member. I wonder every year if I should keep paying my dues. Uh, do you feel that the AMA is still relevant to us, especially those of us who are still holding on? You know, I'm not a member of the AMA, um, and I think uh, the question is, what do you want to see in healthcare systems in the future, in our healthcare system? Do you want to see what we have currently, or do you want to see meaningful reform? And um, And I wonder if 
you know, the question we should be asking is, does it represent you or does it represent the needs of your patients? Okay, so why do you think President Obama went to the AMA? Well, you know, there, there's still a, 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 probably the most recognizable brand in terms of physician organizations. They, they certainly have more visibility and a longer history. Um, they also have a tremendously, uh, tra- they have a tremendous track record in terms of winning battles all the way back to Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and other presidents who tried to push through meaningful health reform. Um, they successfully fought back a lot of those things. And it's pretty amazing when you think about how bad things are now, how much worse they may have been during the Great Depression. And nevertheless, uh, Roosevelt, who at one point was pushing for meaningful health reform, lost that battle because the AMA basically coined the phrase socialized medicine during his time. You know, it's interesting when you mentioned, uh, uh, when you get back to the President Obama's speech, uh, you had a great way of starting your article in which you talked about uh, being at work. The speech occurred on Monday, midday, um, and uh, you, like many others, were at work. And obviously that's reflective of the wider audience and the wider uh, scope of medical professionals. So do you, do you think that President Obama hit his mark with the masses, or should he have uh, or be uh, relaying his info to other organizations as well? You know, I mean, when you consider the fact that um, at best, Right, 30% of doctors maybe belong to the AMA, and that question, that number is extremely controversial. A lot of people have said as low as under 20%. Um, and even if you take the highest number, uh, you assume, like a lot of people do, that a good number of those people are non-practicing physicians or you know, like medical students or um, residents who might be paying their dues because they get a really good price and a free subscription to JAMA. Um, I think that the aggregate of physicians. Uh, is are, are members that are, are non-members of the AMA and may belong to other groups or may not belong to a group at all. So I think uh, the president needs to take continue to take a show on the road. Okay, so how does a guy like me and you, how do we get to the table then to help with health care reform, assuming that we, wanna, we really want some good reform? How do we do it? You know, there are a lot of groups cropping up now that uh, are, um, that are pro-health reform, meaningful health reform, not just small tweaks at the borders. Um, of health reform, but meaningful health reform that people are starting to join. And, and of course, some of us, like, like as I said, as, as a pediatrician myself, I'm a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics, they have their own um, groups of folks who are looking into the health reform debate and trying to get at the table. And, and I, think, I think if we can become part of the, the larger aggregate of people outside the AMA that have a voice, then I think they'll listen to us. Well, we should talk about that a little bit. I mean, you have an interesting background yourself uh, as a pediatrician. You're also affiliated with Kaiser Permanente, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm wondering how your affiliation with, with a model like Kaiser um, has affected your views of other organizations such as, uh, as such as the AMA. Yeah, well, first, you know, I'll tell you that uh, I am a member of Kaiser, uh, a large um, medical group out here out west. I don't represent all the views, but I can tell you, speaking personally, that um, the way I view healthcare. Is, um, is that it's best delivered in an integrated system with uh, doctors working together um, using evidence-based medicine and the best uh, information technology available. That being said, that's what we provide here. And I think if you look at other models um, that are out there, such as the Mayo Clinic and the Cleveland Clinic, we're all starting to be mentioned as very positive models for how health reform should be, should be um, or, or models for how healthcare should be delivered in the future. Um, one, because of the integration, and two, because we seem to do better with the dollars we have to spend on health care in terms of getting better outcomes and more efficiencies. Okay. So let me ask you another question. What, and what would it take for you to join the AMA? What, would, what do they have to do? Where do they have to move to represent us? I think that, you know, I, I, when I look at the AMA's um, lip service these days, they seem to be very high on getting health reform pushed through. 
Um, they're, they've been sending out op-ed pieces all over the country to every, every everywhere in the country. But I haven't actually seen them take any action. And I think um, the difference between action and words is, is really the chasm they need to fill. Um, while they were talking about health reform, um, and as, as they've been doing very visibly over the last few weeks since Obama gave his speech, there have been reports about the uh, infighting uh, behind closed doors that that uh, have really divided the, the constituency and where they're going and whether it's going to stay in a model that supports fee-for-service medicine or one that actually start, starts thinking about what do patients really need. Um, and I, don't, I, and I, I think that if, we were to see, if I were to see some meaningful um, action being taken, you know, to stop worrying about who's getting paid and start, start worrying about how health care is going to be delivered effectively to people who, who need it, I would, I would certainly support them. Okay, last question. We have a one minute for you to answer this. So the AMA in the past, as mentioned, has really done some good things in the beginning. If you go back to their roots, what has the AMA done that's good, and how can they get back to those roots? Well, I think what they did in, in, the, in the early days was they, they took what was a very disparate group of people who called themselves physicians or doctors or healthcare providers and began to um, expect and, and demand that there be some quality behind what they were doing and some, um, some evidence and some science behind it. Um, and I think they're really the reason that doctors are viewed as cerebral, um, white-coated professionals who, who put science behind what they do. On the other hand, I think what's happened now is that they've become more of a, they've been, they're viewed more as a self-interest group, and uh, all they, they seem to want to do is um, figure out how they're going to get paid and how their members are going to get paid um, as effectively as possible. Um, whereas in the past, like I said, that they were worried more about the quality of care that patients were being given and the professional status of their members. I, yeah. I don't feel that that's well, the case. Well, well thanks, and we're, we're out of time with you, but we really appreciate it, and sure. we hope we can talk to you again sometime. Yeah, thank you very much for having thanks. me, guys. Thanks, Dr. Parikh. Well, what do you think about that? Some fascinating stuff. I mean, it raises a lot of questions. It certainly does. I mean, we, we all want to be at that table on health care reform, and it's interesting, those numbers as to how many members are actually active in the AMA and why the president went there. Maybe he needs to come to our studio and talk to us, Matt. Well, I'm I think we could maybe pencil them in. We, we can have, have we, uh, Barack, if you're listening, we can put you in a future show because Matt and I want to give you the real lowdown about health care reform. But I think it's, 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 it's a subject that's so important, and we need all of our organizations to represent us at that table. Absolutely. So with that, we are out of time today. Here on Second Opinion Live, I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. And I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg. For more about ReachMD Radio and XM160, visit our website, which has been newly worked over, newly redecorated. You can find things um, on demand, including all of our shows at ReachMD.com. Just register as a health professional. And we thank you for joining us on ReachMD. And please come back and listen to the show, Second Opinion. It's very important to us, and we think it's very important to medicine in general. 